0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another week of Growing with My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined, as always, by an amazing panel. I'm going to kick it over first to Spartan Grown. Thanks, Jack. Hello, everybody. I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram
1: at Spartan Grown, all one word and no spaces. Otherwise, uh, you can shoot me an email at SpartanGrown at gmail.com, and uh, I'm an organic or synthetic cannabis farmer here in Michigan, so I can help you with any of those questions.
2: Happy to have you back. Next up, Brandon Rust. Brandon, you're muted if you're talking. I thought my headphones
0: were bugging out. Brandon, are you with us?
3: Oh, sorry. I was muted. Uh, yeah, th- uh, it's always uh, great to be here with you guys. Uh, nerd out on weed stuff. Um, You've got anybody who's listening, they can follow me on Instagram at rust.brandon and see kind of what I'm up to, what what I got going on. And then you can also check out my company, Bokashi Earthworks, for humate fertilizers, microbes. Soil, all kinds of good stuff at Bokashi Earthworks.com.
0: Happy to have you back up. Next up, we've got Dr. MJ. Hey
4: guys, it is, I am, I'm sorry, I am Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. I've been uh, recording my my video uh, narration, so I'm getting a little bit like twisted around in my scripts. But anyways, I have a video coming up, like I said last week, I'm going to make my Big sort of uh, on-camera debut in this upcoming video I'm working on, on the science of horticultural LEDs. So I'm pretty sure that's coming out this week, like before next week's show, possibly on Wednesday, possibly on Saturday. So be sure you're subscribed to my YouTube channel to check that out. And I'm looking forward to the show. So, yeah.
0: Looking forward to that. I know a lot of people will be excited to put a, uh, you know, face with the name. And I know that a lot of people get a little bit closer connection. Interestingly enough, as soon as you reveal yourself, I feel like a lot of people really uh, start reaching out like, hey, man, it's really nice to see what you actually look like.
4: Hopefully, hopefully it's not the opposite. Everybody's like, oh, now I'm leaving. I used to like that guy, (laughs) but now I know what he looks like. Oh, my God.
0: Having met you, I don't think you'll get that reaction. (laughs) With that said, we've got uh, next up, I believe. um, Did I pass it to Matthew Gates yet? No, you did not. Matthew Gates.
5: Yeah, that's very, that's very enticing and exciting and um, uh, also a really great subject, right? Like something everyone who's interested in such a thing would want to see. So I'm, I'm excited. That was a smart move. I also have a video coming out. My name is Matthew Gates. I'm an integrated pest management specialist. You can check me out professionally. Contact me at zenthenol.com. I have social media at Sync Angel on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, but I'm, I'm heavily researching powdery mildew right now, um, getting all of my facts straight, uh, You know, honing myself, um, updating the information that I had um, about it, because I'm going to have a video on the Future Canvas project on their FCP02 channel, where I go over its biology, how it got to how it is, uh, resistance genes. Um, different treatments, both preventative and curative that you'd be interested in. So check that out. That'll be coming out on the 25th on the fcp 2 channel. So I'll be live streaming it. So if you have any questions, it should be there.
0: Good stuff. And speaking of questions, make sure you click on over to the live chat and start to tag at Cheap Home Grow with your questions. If you haven't already, uh, tonight's gonna be a chat Q&A and second hour, uh, if anybody has to leave, which I think a few panelists may then we're going to open it up to some of the listeners to jump on and show off their garden and maybe ask a question on video. But last and certainly not least on the panel with us right now, the American
6: One. Hello, Jack panel and everyone in chat. I am the American One on the YouTube and the American One underscore with underscore eighteens on the IG. And yeah, if you want to get in touch with me, hit me up on the IG. And yeah, it's good to be here and I'm looking forward to tonight
0: happy to have you back as well hope everybody is doing well i'll just kick it over back to spartan i guess because i see some smoke in the air and ask what are you smoking on with us tonight
1: always always man i'm smoking on let me see i might have another nug of it i went over to bake's house to get my funny my buddy bake pones house and uh we're actually working on the build out which we do on the weekends but he passed me some of his think of it it was called functified functified and it's kind of stringy, So string is on here, but uh, I'll never get this thing. But it reminds me of Mac 1, the way it looks and how frosty. Uh, if I could only get it to only, whatever. Imagine that to be a frosty bud, I guess. And uh, I don't know the genetics on it. He told me, but I've already forgotten it. And I just now that was the first bowl of it. So I don't have a huge impression yet, but uh, I'm impressed by the way it looks so far and smells. It's got a real like berry, like a berry smell
0: to it definitely looks nice. I smoked a little Donnie burger before the show got started. That's why I'm probably a little bit spacey. And uh, you know, some of that here too. Definitely a go-to for me. I was thinking uh, before we get some questions rolling, I watched a little video as I'm, uh, I mentioned in the past, you know, I had my little seedling issue and I watched some cannabis and non cannabis related seed related content. And uh, one of the things I saw was like seven mistakes to avoid when germinating. A cannabis seedling and I probably should have written them out but I think that uh, that was something interesting that maybe we could talk a little bit about and uh, a few of them I had done myself in the run that I was kind of blaming all on like the heat and power outage and things like that but I realized that there was actually more issues going on with my soil um, and Spartan Grown has given me some tips with how to use the Michigan made mix in the past but I think he's always recommended that he uses uh, new or fresh soil for his seedlings or his solo cups if I'm remembering correctly which I wasn't doing I was uh, re even the solo cup level and at that level it worked for a while but uh, eventually I hit a wall and I think part of the reason was one of the things I did which was listed in the seven mistakes to avoid was I used um, pumice which was a little bit too large and it was like thicker chunky rock and I think the roots just didn't want to expand and grow out as well, even though it was a small amount because there was still perlite and rice hulls and other things in there for aeration. That was one of the uh, several things that I had done wrong as well as uh, not like sterilizing my containers. I was just letting the soil sit in there or I'd empty it out and just throw soil back in there without cleaning them at all between runs. So a few things to avoid because um, what I thought was good mycelium, I do believe now to be some negative or potentially harmful pathogens that were taking out some of my seedlings on that run that I was having issues. So I thought that it'd be good to just maybe go over some mistakes to avoid generally, whether it's seedling stage or general stages while we wait for some questions to start rolling
3: in. I would say number one is don't overwater. Yeah, that is probably literally number one.
4: I definitely agree with that one.
0: Yeah. I think um, one of the suggestions is for um, the early stages and, and even for me later stage, I use a SIP is to do the bottom watering and allow the water to soak up. And that would prevent some of the more common issues with like the uh, base of the stem or early parts of the root getting kind of too wet and having uh, some pythium or other pathogen take it out.
4: Really depends on what media you're in. Um, certain media definitely benefit from being very careful with how you water and and others you can be more liberal but i think all media is at the other side of this equation is sort of the bigger danger don't let them dry out um you know whether it's a germinating seed or like a sprout or a little seedling or whatever overwatering is certainly a, a problem in a lot of media but lack of water drought is like a problem in every media and will kill a lot of seedlings
0: absolutely and i think uh I suffered from both of those issues at one point or another, where just being busy with work and seedlings uh, in certain media, I use uh, peat, I've used cocoa in the past, but if you just don't get there in time and you let them dry out, that will definitely kill them off and uh, making sure that they have access to water and oxygen, essentially, you're not overwatering or giving too much water so that they don't have access to oxygen is uh, pretty crucial.
5: Since I was talking about it, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Since I was thinking about it uh, a lot lately, um, one thing that you can do for, let's say, powdery mildew, for example, but this is also true for a lot of other fungi, is uh, practice good hygiene with your cultivation space. So like, you know, um, people have different processes and I'm not saying that you can't, for example, utilize leaf litter or compost it or process it in some way um some pathogens can survive some of these processes depending on what you're trying to do um so you always have to like dig in a little bit and kind of understand uh if what you're going to do is actually going to have the intended effect of like kind of you know not allowing something to like stay in there like a spores and things because um if you let leaf litter kind of collect around your your substrate or if you let it like kind of start to like half decay or anything like that, um, then it's really common for that to be a vector for uh, various pathogens, perhaps even some that you thought that you had gotten rid of. um, But unfortunately, you know, not totally. And then something happens like you overwater, perhaps, for example, or just over time, you know, some, you know, some of these spores, some of these uh, sort of infective uh, propagules uh, start to germinate and grow and and you can have a really terrible time really quickly, so that's
2: one also thing you should consider is that hygiene. Yeah, certainly. I think um, temperature is important to keep in
4: in mind for seedlings. Probably more than keeping your your humidity adjusted. But letting they get too dry can be r- really bad for them too. Um, so that aspect of climate, I see a lot of growers in Cocoa in particular, um, have problems with sort of trying to amp up fertilization too quickly. Um, and the problem there is the little baby plants aren't prepared to deal with sort of that salty water. So other issues there, that that can also be an issue with sort of not flushing out your media well enough or, you know, using, um, any kind of pre-amended or pre-fertilized substrate I
1: agree I think the number one thing and I, I put it under the heading overloving. you're over your seedlings man you're over the whole and overthinking the whole process of um, popping a seed you know of germinating a seed I understand because these seeds are extremely expensive when you're considering you know even $10 a seed is kind of cheap nowadays for some reason um but so that's kind of an investment so you you go online and you do your research and you see 12 different ways of doing it and then you try those 12 different ways all in one and end up <laughs> doing some things to your seed that are you know cumulatively are actually negative instead of a positive so i i would i would caution people to try to find a a method that works and then stick with it and perfect that one method if you can and um and usually simpler is 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 easier Uh, for me i've done it as as simple as you know throwing a seed in some moist soil and got things to to germinate Um, i don't do it that way Uh, i prefer to to use root riot cubes it seems to give the easiest amount of moisture the easiest way for me to keep a consistent amount of moisture until that seed does germinate and then I just plant that directly in my regular moist soil and away we go. But um, And that's generally what I advise people. That's generally the same advice I give people because that's what I do. And that's what I've figured out for the best is for me. But um, if people come back to me and say, I've tried that and I rendered into this, this problem or that problem, then I try to do the micro adjustments to make it work. But that's generally the process that, that I suggest.
0: So my issue is uh, because I started making seeds, I have thousands of them and they're so cheap and freely available to me that I just kind of let my veg area go to shit in part doing like stress testing. And like, uh, secondly, just like Matthew was saying uh, earlier, taking care of your grow environment. Like I just wasn't as well as I should be like just the general cleaning between each run, things like that. Like not only were the pots like a little bit dirty, but like the uh, veg area was just not as sanitary as it could be. And everything was sort of getting the most amount of neglect possible (laughs) i was giving them as little attention as literally possible to keep them alive and um when you're at that end of the spectrum i think it definitely benefits you to go back and uh maybe reevaluate things and realize that like even brand new people have a lot of success if they just go to the store buy some fresh whatever uh seed starter mix and sprout things in that or root riot cube or whatever it is and so in the past I haven't had too many issues it's just that I think neglect to a certain degree eventually rears its ugly head and so I had to get to the point where um, like you suggest starting with a fresh soil the seed starter mix that I got because I am going into a peat based medium is a uh, peat start but it's basically just peat dolomite and a little bit of perlite and it's really finely ground essentially it's like a lot um, more finely screened so that it's easier for the roots essentially to work into it because my stuff was essentially compacted and had a lot of uh, thick, heavy pumice and things like that. And I just, I was kind of rushing. I was taking a, a few cups, uh, shaking them up with what I thought was like a third, a third, a third. But in reality, like some of them were good. Some of them were okay. Some of them were terrible and you could see it with the seeds and they were surviving, but they just weren't thriving. And I wanted them to start off a lot stronger. And I've seen my own grows in the past be much more successful. And I've also seen several other people in many different mediums and even the same medium have uh, much healthier starts with their seed. So I'm like, you know what, let's uh, square things away and uh, get some solid starts and, you know, try a few different methods that I've worked, had worked for me in the past and kind of go back to square one and just see what, uh, what's best. Because even within that, like um, I'm using just the seed starter mix and then I'm doing seed starter mix with a little bit of um, worm castings. And then seed starter mix with a little bit of vermiculite for moisture. And just because now I have felt punch like thousands of these seeds available, I'm doing a side by side by side to see, okay, it's not like too crazy. Just a little tiny adjustment to this thing and see which one of these three works the best and then go from there moving forward. But um, I have liked the root riots in the past, but the, I guess um, cost of them over time, they're not super expensive, but I just hate rebuying them. Um, But there's the issue of i guess rebuying seed starter mix when you could probably make that yourself by just getting you know the ingredients yourself and uh you know running a solution
1: a solution for that jack um they make this for the greenhouse industry and dr coco probably is aware of this too is these these blocks it looks almost like a uh let me see It was almost like an ice tray if you took the outside edges off an ice tray and you had a handle in the top (laughs) and it fits into a tray like a seedling tray and you just throw a bunch of fucking of your regular mix in there like m3 whatever throw it all in there and you compress it into the blocks and then when you pull the handle up they're already in blocks and those are your own blocks and you can use those to start your seeds and use your own soil and you buy that thing one time i forget what the hell it's called but They're like soil
4: makers. I mean, seed starter bricks. There's all sorts of different products to make your own little seed pellets, for sure.
0: That's probably what I would move towards moving forward, because I do like making my own soil and and going through the process of just like reamending things if I can.
4: Yeah, I just don't have like the volume. I mean, I just do jiffy pellets, I mean, which are cheaper than like the rapid rooters and riot root riots.
1: those are nice d- i used that's what i started using i, I use those for a lot and yeah, i still yeah. use those for vegetables too
4: so,
6: yeah, aren't those they're, people- they're
4: cheap and easy and you know if i was doing it at any kind of scale i could imagine like making my own little uh seed starters but i think you kind of have to be doing a lot of seeds in order to justify you know investing in that kind of the equipment and that's part of the equipment
1: those jiffy pucks are really nice too that dr coke's talking about because they come dehydrated and just little pucks so storage wise you could if you got them like i i honestly i'll go at the end of the, about this time of year you go to your local uh grocery store that has a garden section with aisles and you can get them on clearance for like Next to nothing. Like I think I paid two dollars for fifty of them.
4: Yeah, something. exactly. And, <laughs> the and, and they store because they're
1: small. Yeah, it's not like they're going to go. You can get the, the little edged.
4: Jiffy windowsill greenhouses that come with like twenty four of oh, them. Oh yeah, and yep. your little like germination little like mini uh, humidity no, essentially, dump, which is yeah, it's cool. So I mean, and that's like three ninety nine or something, like two ninety nine. I mean, and you get like twenty four Jiffy pellets and a little like humidity dome. <laughs>
0: I'm all for the going to like the regular garden center and not the hydro store because like one shopping local, but two, you get mostly the same stuff for a lot cheaper prices, which I mean, that's a win for the cheap home grow audience out there. That's where I got my seed started. mix. It wasn't at a hydro store. I called and looked around my local garden center shut down during the pandemic. So I had to find a new one. And funny enough, like one of my neighbors actually worked at this one. I just bumped into him when I was over there, but it's a nice to be able to you know not spend a ton of money and get some good quality inputs that uh
4: it makes more sense work. we get so like lazy sometimes i think just ordering everything online especially if you get free delivery and stuff but that free delivery isn't really free it's sort of getting marked into the prices and it's just more efficient sort of transportation infrastructure to bring things on trucks to stores and then have people show up at the stores and get them when you're when you're dealing with something like you know substrate in particular. Um, so yeah i think that especially the
0: heavy stuff like pumice <laughs> like pumice yeah, stone is heavy I mean, shit. or
4: the big bulky stuff man like any kind of big bags of you know cubic yards anything you're buying in cubic yards you know go someplace and buy it i i mean getting that like ordering that online is almost always not
2: cost effective yeah they're individually shipping it to the house something so heavy it's uh
0: think about it, if you've ever tried to ship something yourself that's even more than you know a flat rate box it's that's or to get something real expensive so
4: small too like the like the little jiffy pellets that we're talking about you can pick them up at a garden center for like 2.99 but they're like probably gonna cost you like 7.99 online and you're gonna be like thinking like 7.99 is nothing but it's like three times as much twice as much as you would pay elsewhere just because the- and that stuff
0: all adds up yeah over exactly. the time
6: yeah so this no, is and what we way with talking everything. about right like,
0: yep what's
6: that this is what you're talking about. What's on what I'm showing right now?
0: The Jiffy the pellets? Jiffy
6: pellets. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep, That's on um,
0: YouTube.
1: Yes, yeah, so those uh, are definitely
6: Jiffy pellets.
1: Those have been expanded.
6: Yeah. So I think those are great. If you have fresh seed, like so this is um, these are seeds that I made myself and they were fresh. And this is the first time I tried these jiffy pellets with that little dome. And they even sell them like at the dollar store. And once I just dropped the seed in the hole, I made if the seed didn't drop in a little, I made the hole a little bit bigger. And I just, you know, had them, I wet them down until they were fully full like that. I dumped off the excess water and I put the dome on them. And I also broke up the top a little bit. But yeah, when I showed this the first time, someone had warned me that you want to cut off that netting around it uh, when you transplant it. But that's what, you know, you don't have to. Uh, you, you absolutely you don't have to, cut to the, the netting; nutty. just dissolves okay.
4: to nothing. So, okay, you, think about a
1: smart pot, man. It'll grow through us. the The root will grow yeah. through a smart pot. It's going to grow through that netting, no problem.
4: The, yeah, even the little baby will. roots will grow through that netting. Um, absolutely, guys. This is the like what gardeners have used for decades at this point. I really think the the root riots, which are also sort of a peat material, but it's been like glued together <clears throat> using some chemistry that I'm not totally familiar with. That was developed for DWC growers. That was those products were developed so that you, you could clone From what right in a, a seed in a rapid rooter and then put it into DWC. And people didn't want to use Jiffy pellets because Jiffy will disintegrate. So if you're going into DWC, I understand why you would use like those rapid rooter or root riots or whatever. If you're going into soil or cocoa or anything else. Yeah, I think that the, the, the peat pellets are cheaper and easier to work with and like there's no advantages to the others.
6: The reason I'm uh, old all game with those jiffy pellets is because they're right, well, I'm assuming they're sterile. Whereas when if you're reusing your dirt and you're making your own, unless you buy it fresh and new, you don't know if it's even if you buy it new, it could not be sterile because like the bags that you get from the garden center or even the hydroponic store could have fungus nuts in them or or unknowns so i learned my lesson with that one experience with those little white worms i like to start sterile and if if they're old and you want to watch you can start them in the paper towel method i mean i've done that too i've done everything so anything i have
0: done word, the paper, you know? paper towel works great but we they eventually have to go into a medium and my medium is where right. they're, they're getting stu- uh struggling and for a long oh, time okay. i felt like Oh, you know, I'll just hit them with a bunch of good microbes and that'll work. And I tried a few different brands, so I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. It was my soil and a whole bunch of other shit that I was doing wrong. It wasn't any one of these microbes problems, but I do think it's a proof that it's not just, Hey, you can throw good microbes at it and it's going to solve all of your problems. You still need to have the proper ratios of aeration to medium to, you know, nutrients and, uh, it's, it's all got to be balanced. So In
4: a lot of cases, I think in, in germination stage, especially first 48 hours, um, you know, less is more. Right. That's the to, to most problems there is using fewer products, not, not using more products. It's, it, you want like basically as plain of water as you can get. Um, if you're adding other things to the water and you're not having success, my advice would be go back to like as plain of water as you can use um i do like paper towels and then i go from paper towels into jiffy i like jiffy because it's a buffered media it's very easy for plants to grow effectively there there's no sort of you know salinity to for them to fight against um there's not really much nutrition either but plants really don't need much nutrition at at that stage And it's just an easier environment for them to to grow in than almost any other media. Um, But by the time they get sort of big enough that they've filled in, literally, there's that little like shot glass, right, of of jiffy pellet, Um, your plants have gotten to sort of a stronger stage of their life and can can tolerate a little bit more. But, you know, that's also something that I think is one of the biggest mistakes in, in early stages like this, which is shocking the 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 seedling as you're like putting it from one media into the next media where the next media might be significantly different from the last one. Um different in a lot of different ways even different temperature can can sort of screw up a plant.
0: That's a good point. Roy Duggan says I tried seeds in living soil now I use peat moss, cocoa and vermicompost. And I think uh, some of the like the living soils, like the stuff that's in my flower area, which I think the plant is perfectly happy in, is probably just a little bit too maybe active for my seedlings. Um, but there's also maybe just a amount of negative bacteria and other things that it wasn't working out for. Um, we do have a question finally from the chat. The uh, everybody's just kind of been cheers in saying hello and all that good stuff. But um, we got a question from Green Belly Smith who says cheap home grow indoor versus outdoor versus greenhouse which is a topic that we talked about long long ago it's been quite a while since we talked about it and i said do you have any more like further insight like questions or information about that and they said advantages and disadvantages of each for cheap home grow and i'm going to pass that first to brandon because i think he's got a lot of experience with all the different avenues as of late so uh brandon take it away
3: yeah best overall hands down is going to be mixed light If you have the ability to decrease your abiotic stresses using natural sunlight, I haven't seen flower better indoor or outdoor. Um, And it's a combination of, you know, it's like keeping indoor parameters, keeping those temperatures, those humidity ranges in VPD. And then also, you know, having the ability to keep the light, uh, intense enough uh, even when it's a cloudy day or it's not that you know the season but uh, definitely the greenhouse can be a little more difficult than the indoor because it has more heating requirements in the winter if you're in the cold like where I'm at uh, and then in, and it's uh, more difficult to keep cool in the really hot seasons But when you get into those, uh, your spring and your fall uh, greenhouse harvests, mixed light, those are the fucking bomb diggity dankness because it's like it's like easier to control your environment in greenhouses. Now, obviously, indoor, you can be pretty consistent, but I just don't think anything can really beat that sunlight, you know what I mean? And then outdoors, difficult outdoors, like, you know, when they talk about good years for wine, they're talking about that area where that particular varietal grew, you know, had a good season, which means the temperature, the humidity, the stress load on that plant, maybe, you know, it had good VPD that year, you know, and it, it added to the calcium uptake of that plant. Um, so I think that there's a lot more contingencies to deal with. Uh, there's a lot more abiotic and biotic stress factors when dealing with outdoor. Um, and so it's, you know, all of them kind of have different you know advantages i feel like natural outdoor uh grown completely in sunlight can sometimes have a more robust flavor profile Uh, but then again i guess it all comes down to cultivation skill level genetics Um, but for me personally i think some of the best weed that i've ever grown was mixed light but i mean (laughs) we we do a freaking amazing indoor as well so i mean
5: you know, I had a conversation with somebody recently, um, and it was, it's, it's sort of a point that I, I think that I beleaguer a lot because it matters to me when people make those points. Um, like with the sun, uh, because these people were saying that, um, you know, there's no reason to not grow under the sun. And my contention is that there's tons of reasons one would not want to grow under the sun. And of course, my bias my occupational hazard is that pests are the first thing that come to my mind they're really really terrible ones that are difficult to deal with and you know the response I get from a lot of people oftentimes it's just it's like when somebody says that they make a problem in a movie they're like, oh we'll edit in posts no problem oh we'll just uh living soil we'll just uh organic grow and it'll be fine and it's like <laughs> I don't know like that has not always been my experience that just because you grow something in soil or grow something in a certain way that you don't get uh, pest problems things like that but um i don't know is there a is there some sort of a quality that makes sun better um or is it just like an ineffable sentimentality that we have that's my question I, th- I know it's not if hot I have to
0: speculate I would say it's a combination yeah. of a lot of things. There's like there is some amounts of UV and maybe it's in the right ratio like uh, none of the lights are really replicating the sun and I don't think that we're ever really going to be at that point and then I also think there's the weather factors like Brandon's talking about even with heating a greenhouse and doing everything there's the fluctuations that happen with like being in nature like in a greenhouse even as controlled as you can get it I think that the plant realizes like oh I'm more in like a natural setting because as much as you think that the greenhouse is all 78 degrees or whatever um, oh, no. closest to the one side, it's going to be a little bit colder, yep. uh, closest to the center. It's going to be a little bit hotter and it's think never about going to be... think about
3: this. Yeah. If you're in the back of your greenhouse and it's hot out and you running wet walls, you're going to have a higher humidity towards the back of your greenhouse. So the, and so greenhouses are a little more difficult in the fact that the larger you scale with greenhouses, the more, uh, you know, energy and resources that you have to have to use to be able to control those, those factors.
0: Yep. Yeah, you got to overcome that microclimate. And I think that's where a lot of people get really consistent, uh, good results indoors. But I do think that maybe it is the sun, maybe it is a bunch of other things, but uh, I'll pass it next to Spartan, in? or oh, yeah, uh, Doc, Go ahead.
4: Sorry, I'm trying to jump in. Because um, this is actually something I'm, I'm getting into for with this video I'm dealing with in terms of Um, I went and did a bunch of research on, you know, studies that have looked at how altering spectrum. Well, first let's step back. There's two things about light that could potentially sort of be different. um, And that's spectrum and flux. Um, And, you know, the best evidence, and this is going to disappoint, I think a lot of growers that we have about spectrum during flowering is that it doesn't make much difference. Um, in the the scientific studies sort of of this, where they very carefully alter the ratios of different frequencies of light, um, don't produce sort of significant or statistically you know, recognizable trends in how that affects the, the cannabinoid production or, or the the sort of size of the harvest. Um, uh, the flux does, the amount of light does, but how you vary the distribution of that flux energy throughout the the PAR or E-PAR spectrum really doesn't seem to have much. And like we've discussed on the show in the past, like the UV light tends to have a a negative impact on on cannabis harvest quality, on cannabinoids.
5: Um, Yeah, whenever I ask this question, I always get maybe something or other or it could be or right. i feel that but right. they never never really quantify it like in the way that you're describing exactly and then oh yeah, well maybe we, we there's something we're not no, testing for well, oh we have we have maybe. No evidence that, maybe that
4: altering spectrum or we don't know how we would go about altering spectrum in order to improve um sort of the production of cannabinoids we know a lot and this isn't for like sort of lack of research we know a lot about sort of how altering spectrum affects how plants grow and and the various signals that plants respond to and how that affects their hormones and how that affects sort of, you know, why blue light inhibits cell expansion and why red light sort of promotes cell expansion and, and things like that. Um, so during vegetative growth, certainly there's, there's differences in terms of altering the spectrum. You're going to get different shaped plants. Um, but... Doing those same sort of controlled experiments during the flowering period does not seem to produce really any differences among the plants. So, um, in terms of light, like we understand, and and straight through flowering, we we optimize light for photosynthesis primarily, um, and you know the the increase in red light that you know a lot of sort of grow light manufacturers suggest. Um, or that even sort of horticultural scientists would suggest is because red light's really efficient to make and red light's really efficient for photosynthesis, but it's it's not sort of a result of like an improvement in the finished quality. Um, so anyways, I've just been reading a lot about sort of that specific research. So I wanted to chime in on those thoughts.
0: I think that's great to mention. Um, the Morphological thing in veg is interesting because, like you said, blue will make a plant kind of squattier. The cell gets compressed, the plants are shorter and stouter, yeah. and the red will make it a little bit lankier versus like a broad spectrum or any of the other spectrums combined will make kind of a standard growth plant. And there's a group in uh, Michigan called Cell, the Controlled Experiment Lighting Lab who does exactly what you're talking about with all sorts of different plants where they give it like just purple, just red, just green, just yellow, combinations of all of them, uh, different levels. And what they kind of found is exactly what you're describing is um, throughout flower, no matter what ratio you give them, it's like more they found uh, dictated by how much actual PAR or PPFD was hitting the canopy uh, depending on the specific plant. So but I, I do some think of those it's...
4: studies showed that like monochromatic light, if you just use like, you know, 690 nanometer red light, um, you're you're only going to activate photosystem one and you're not going to get very good growth. So it, it's not sort of like anything goes. Um, that's why they used to make blur blurples with both red and blue to activate both photosystems one and two and make sure sort of you're triggering as much photosynthesis as you can um anyways i get into a lot of this wait isn't it
3: isn't photosystem 2 the light dependent where the light dependent reactions and then photosystem 1 is uh non-light dependent reactions
4: um no both photosystems are light dependent Um, hence the term photo use different sort of varieties of chlorophyll so they interact with different wavelengths of light or primarily with different wavelengths of light. Are you
3: talking about the different photochrome receptors in photosystem two? Because I think if I'm, if I'm not There's mistaken- There's a lot of photochrome receptors, yeah.
4: I'd have to look back at my notes in terms of what the dominant ones in each system are. But photosystem one reacts primarily with longer wavelength light and photosystem two reacts primarily with shorter wavelength light, like blue light. And
5: fun fact, photosystem two uh, evolved before photosystem one, even though we kind of figured so we, out we
4: we numbered them backwards. It's
5: also yeah, we numbered them way. backwards because
3: they, they were discovered. That's the, the they right. were numbered by their discovery. The exactly. way that there um, but I, I I mean, man, I was just reading my biochem book not too long ago and I could have sworn that photosystem one doesn't have any light dependency.
0: Brandon, think about the
3: term. No, that's why it's photo, called the photo
4: system. Like the photo, photo part system. of that is light.
3: No, that's I mean it it here. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up here. I have my biochem book right here.
0: Just relying on my basic understanding of the human language.
5: Yeah, well, scientists do some funky things with verbiage sometimes. Well, I <laughs> Oh, uh, but I can't think of a, an example off the top of my head. Oh, well, here's one. Uh, I'm trying to doc, figure doc out the, describe the, dark, it.
4: Cycle, is, the, the dark cycle, which the dark cycle is is certainly a weird thing. Photo period language. Yeah, photo period or stegoto period. Right? Well, while Brandon's
1: looking it up, I'll jump in on this topic myself. I think there is absolutely a difference with outdoor. Sometimes it ties into what Brandon says when. Uh, all the conditions, I'll say, are right because I still feel that it's also stressors. I think it's also stressors outside that the plant is not subjected to inside to why it may express differently outside and have different yeah. turkey expressions. So I don't want to say all positives, but I mean, it has a positive result. Um, but it's more of a crapshoot on the outdoors. Absolutely, when we're talking about which is better when considering for cheap home grow absolutely outdoors going to be better on those years on those years where everything seems to fall into place i know that's pretty hard to beat. outdoors with no greenhouse it's hard to beat when you're talking about price per pound per, totally per quality per quality or whatever but um indoors more like um instead of playing the stock market like outdoor might be playing the stock market where indoor is more like uh, putting your money in the savings account where you get a you know a pretty consistent return, uh, something that you can kind of plan on as long as you can hold a consistent environment in indoor, which we're, that's a big assumption too, but I'm assuming that, but you're gonna have a consistent cost to do that as well where they, that you don't have outdoor. So it's one of those balancing acts. It's like, do I want consistency or do I wanna play the stock market? And well, it's literal it's inflation with
0: energy, like your costs go up. And yeah. so that like savings account reference is actually kind of relevant because you're, you might have thought your electric cost was going to be flatline across your growing experience. But then when it goes up doubles or triples, like in some people's cases in the past few years, that really changes the cost for you to cultivate indoor. And it might make the greenhouse or outdoor option more viable. But like you're saying, that's in your best years. On your worst years, you yeah. might get nothing. Because yeah. it oh, might absolutely. rain, hail, absolutely. kill everything you got. But so at the same time, it's a gamble.
1: Yeah, at the same time, it becomes less and less a gamble as you grow the same strains outdoor every year, and you can start selecting for those strains that do well in your in your you know micro system, microclimate, whatever you want to well, call if it. If your
4: climate is consistent, acceptable. The next, yeah. I mean, well, that's I, mean the I get challenge, right? Yeah, but in I, I, I do yeah. get.
1: I do get a little defensive when people say the outdoors is worse in any way because I don't feel that way. I feel like there have definitely been no. years in, in my growing where my outdoor blew me, me the hell away. Blew me yeah. away what they were. So so absolutely you can grow great quality cannabis outdoor for very, very cheap when it's I would uh, say the outfit, quality range not, of, of indoor
4: and outdoors largely overlap. Um, right. right yeah. Me too. Right. Like and way out at the tail. What about this though? The high quality. But let me I ask you this on the quality.
1: On the quality, though. Let me ask you this. On the same, like a clone of the same plant, I feel like you're gonna get your highest, most exotic expression of that outdoor. That you may never see indoor. That's what I'm saying. But that might be one out of 10 years of growing it outdoor that you get that expression. <laughs> So I'm just saying, you get that wild. Yeah, so all of a sudden, you get, one, you get that one. You get that one year. Be out at
4: the tail on the high end of the the quality is going to be some of these like crazy expression outdoor plants that that you grow. And I'm willing to accept that. And I think probably the mean um of the overall distribution is going to be higher on the indoor right it's like a bell absolutely
1: i agree with that absolutely y'all.
4: i guess what always gets me and the reason why i brought it up in the first
5: place is exact what you guys are saying is absolutely reasonable and if i met people who said that like sometimes outdoor is bad and sometimes indoor is bad or vice versa like obviously i think well maybe not to everyone is that obvious but totally agree right but it's the people who are like, because sun, therefore, like, no bugs must be better. Uh, apparently, it must be better. Like I've had stuff from gro- that grown outdoor that was not as good as stuff from indoor. Like, it's just such an easy, I-, I guess what just gets me is how like overly simplistic it is. And to me, I'll be honest, it, you know, especially recently, I've been coming across this sentiment a lot. And it smacks of marketing. It feels there's like people are just that. saying it. Yeah, well, I mean.
0: Well, and there's, we're all subject to it. We're all subject to it. We can't pretend true. like we haven't been uh, impacted by some marketing, whether it's in cannabis or some other realm. Marketing, th- those people make a lot of money and they make a lot of sales for a reason. It works. And at the end of the day, um, I think if you try to be independent thinking and, and try the stuff for yourself, it, it's up to your own personal experience and preference, really, at the end of the day, like everything. But in my experience, I kind of agree with Doc and uh, Spartan and what a lot of the others have said that I think maybe full on outdoor might have like the highest potential to pull some like really exotic, funky, crazy, amazing high. Cause like some of the best stuff I've ever had comes from outdoor. I'll shout out Mendo Dope. I've shouted them out many times. They're pog in the legal market had 7% terpenes in California. That's so fucking hard to do. Like the other yeah, highest test I've seen. I was
3: just out there at their farm, like a couple of weeks ago and they were doing their harvesting and they already had stuff that they had mm-hmm. harvest and they had uh they had a cultivar called, Nick Bog and the shit was super super terpy, had great flavor, and it's you know that outdoor weed was better than a lot of indoor weed that I've seen. So it, it can go both ways. It could be bad indoor, there could be good indoor, there could be bad outdoor, there could be good indoor or good outdoor. Yeah,
0: indoor. I'll just shout them out a million times though, because like if you have the chance to try them or Green Shock Farms in the California market, it will stand up or be better than a lot of the stuff that's greenhouse or indoor which for a lot of people is surprising because a lot of people have had mediocre or bad outdoor in their experiences and then the greenhouse or the indoor stuff is more consistent so and it really just depends on your own personal experience but i have been pleasantly surprised by their stuff and even like with the velvet punch um seeing it grown outdoor there was black expressions like it turned pure black like just black as possible. I don't know how else to describe it. It was a black plant where indoor it was purple. It was velvet. It was uh, you know dark purple sometimes, but it was never black. And it was black several times outdoor. So I don't know if that really has any benefit. <laughs> maybe it needed to produce more anthocyanin or something because it was cold or because the light intensity. But uh, yeah, that, that was a, a difference in expression that I could see indoor versus outdoor. And it was interesting to make note of that because maybe some people really like that black plant. Like I've loved a lot of the black plants I've tried in the past. Kush Lord, uh, girl form cut girl scout cookie and other things like that, which uh, is definitely interesting to see the differences indoor to outdoor Tao. I'm curious what your thoughts, cause you've been uh, very quiet over there. Uh, what do you think about the indoor outdoor greenhouse for the cheap home grow?
6: Well, for the cheap home grow outdoor is definitely cheap. I mean, um, yeah like spartan alluded to you could just put plants outside let them do what they do and if you call the males and you'd be amazed at what some of the smoke you get it might not be a lot; the yield could be very small but when it's clean and sun grown it's it's it could be really good with uh, very little uh inputs at all um and yeah i never had a greenhouse i always dreamed about having a greenhouse and i would definitely say that it depends on your location and then temperatures whether or not greenhouse would be perhaps better. Um, I always dreamed of having light depth. I, I would love to do light depth because you have a little more control. You can get things done quicker. Um, but yeah, then again, if you go with cheap on the home grow, then that's a cost for sure. Um, but yeah, you could be successful in every which way. So I would say do it all. Why, why limit?
0: <laughs> I think it's funny to think that a lot of people out here in California who have solar, are technically using like sun grown, but they're indoor because they're solar powered. They're using the sun's energy to grow their plants with like LEDs or whatever. So technically, all the power is coming from the sun, but it's not the light from the sun. Uh, but it, with that definition, I guess technically everything is sun grown because, like, even like yeah. fossil fuels and coals, like going all the way back, uh, it all started from the sun.
4: Yeah, right. Nuclear energy is probably not solar. That's true.
0: <laughs> it's a little it's mini, a mini sun, though.
4: It's a little <laughs>
5: embryonic sun. No, it's
0: essentially a <laughs> like baby the, harnessing. I wanted.
1: I love our chat because they, they keep us honest and they cover all the bases for us and they make this a better show. And here's a great example. Magnum Opus, I think, brings up an excellent thing that we haven't brought up yet here about this comparison is that how quick you, of a turnaround Indoor has. So it really does shine there too. And let me read the comment because I thought it was great. He said, uh, he or she said, I had a debate with a grower. He said 20-year-old outdoor i go okay that's 20 harvests in 20 years indoor gets that in three
0: <laughs> that's a big yeah, line too I you mean, can get five real. or six crops
4: that's definitely real
0: well and i think that really helps breeders um that's why i think we've seen such an explosion we talked last week about our first and uh, favorite race and things like that but most of us were like hey we're not growing landers anymore and it's like why is that well it's because you've got a bunch of people that. Their whole life is dedicated to just maybe, maybe they have a job or whatever, but a lot of these people have spent the last several decades, just picking their favorite plants, crossing them together and taking only the best one generation after generation, year after year doing one, two, three, maybe five, you know, however many, they might do a seed run every single crop for all five crops every single year. And like Spartan was saying, an outdoor breeder, it would take them 20 years to get 20 crops unless they're doing light up but indoor you can get that in, you know, four. So the amount of progress that you can make and genetic change that you can have happening on the indoor. And even like me doing like small scale stuff, like you doesn't have to be a massive plant. Like some people only pollinate one branch or they'll do a plant, like a one gallon pot and you can get a few hundred or dozen seeds or whatever it is that helps you search through uh, another genetic line. So it's really been amazing to see how much things have really changed. And,
2: uh, I'm thankful that Magnum Opus made that comment and, uh, it's very insightful. I'm glad that they brought that up. With greenhouse, though, you have the option to get several crops per year,
0: especially if you're in a place like Southern California where the weather is pretty good all year round. Um, you could use very little power and hopefully they make it legal because I think 67% of the state is still banning, banning outdoor cultivation for uh, home growers and even for like commercial cultivation. So only like one out of three counties or cities actually permitted cannabis to be cultivated here which like we're talking about you know our C- California's grid a few months ago or whatever when it was um I think it would definitely be a good thing to get more people using more power from the Sun uh, sun growing or greenhouse growing to you know place less demand on the grid especially from the commercial market I've heard Canada they saw a pretty huge spike in electrical use once they legalized uh, cannabis. should probably pull a, a reference or source or whatever, but I'm pretty confident that that was the case since Canada has legalized that they've noticed all the regions essentially that are having uh, cultivation happen. It takes power, right? So they're noticing more power draw, which has to be accounted for.
5: Yeah. Like, cause, cause the other thing, um, you know, is that like whenever I make a, a criticism, like you brought up very eloquently and several other people did too in the comments as well. Um, you can't necessarily grow outdoor, like in some places. For me, it's the pests that come to mind. Some places just not feasible or tenable, not practicable, right? Not economically. Um, but at the same time, you know, some places like Ontario or something, or like where it's very cold for a lot of the time. Like so, what you're saying, like people say, well, like for example, I got this blusterly remark recently. Uh, hey, I didn't say it would be easy. Uh, maybe you just can't grow in certain places or maybe you're not good enough or maybe they always put it on the grower. Like, and again, just didn't try hard enough. You just didn't try hard enough or you just don't deserve to, I guess, or something. And I think there's room for criticism about like what's worth it, I suppose. But like for a lot of people, it starts to get into the like, well, let's just melt down the Eiffel Tower for scrap because that's its functional utility maxima. And not as like an art or cultural uh, reference. You know what I mean? It just is almost like if you really had, if you really felt that way about this, then you would be doing other things in your life differently, probably that you are not.
0: Well, it's like, uh, there's a reason that Antarctica isn't our largest ag- like agricultural producer, yeah. like California <laughs> and Mexico produce a lot of our food crops, right? Because they have a lot of sunlight and they have a lot of good right. weather to to do so. But yeah, you can make a greenhouse work and. Uh, you know Mars wherever perhaps if, if you put enough they grow effort. vegetables
4: they grow vegetables at the Antarctic <laughs> research station they, yes, do, they it do hydroponically by the way um but it, yeah they they grow vegetables down there with artificial lighting uh hydroponically and so you could just like we would have to grow cannabis Sweet. down
0: there but and it's got a purpose because the they want to feed... awesome there the cooling, essentially you
1: don't have to worry about drying shit
0: i mean it's all fucking perfect <laughs> i feel like it's a proof of fresh resistant
4: freeze dryer right out the door
0: <laughs> well it's like a proof of concept right to show that, like okay you can do this in antarctica so if we wanted to go to mars and grow plants or something in a really desolate area where there's not good conditions you can regulate things to make it so that you can grow there but like i said we're not eating food from antarctica that's just for the people on the research station and more of a scientific
4: they they don't export much of their food it's also that you know the scientists that overwinter there don't get like scurvy
0: exactly they need like literally some citrus so that it's not like they're on a boat in the middle of the ocean with no citrus available and we have heard the uh, ramifications of things like that if you're a history buff at all but back on the cannabis front We have a uh, question for Matthew coming from Martink420. They say, at Zenthanol, we've got millions of whitefly this side of the pond. Never seen anything like it. Can't take a breath outside without inhaling 20. How do I keep these bastards out of my rooms?
5: I mentioned um, in the comments that uh, you could try, you know, my my favorite screens or something like that. I don't know the setup exactly, um, unless you just said it and I didn't hear
0: it. No, he didn't make a necessarily a comment on it. I think that it was just more of a general question, and it almost reminds yeah. me of what are called Canadian soldiers in Ohio on the lake during a certain time of year. They just swarm, and there's like literally millions of them everywhere, and they just like die on your car. And uh, somebody's curious. actually making them into fertilizer now. But <laughs> a, curious, a, a Matt, are they uh, are they flammable?
5: Uh, well, anything is with enough of a
0: temperature oh, increase. I'm getting ideas already. <laughs> So uh, the boring um, company makes a, not a flamethrower. It's really a roofing torch, but essentially it's a flamethrower. <laughs>
5: hey, you could, uh, so I won't get into that. So um, uh, yeah, so you could do a few different things. I feel like, like, you know, in ornamental horticulture and other sorts of things where Wi-Fi is super prevalent or in vegetables, it's also really common for people to, uh, get whitefly because they kind of eke in from like weeds or surrounding plants around your place. If it's like, if it's like a home grow and it's in your room, but the word rooms, I'm just assuming it's like a, somebody's house or something. Um, you know, they come in on cuttings a lot. Uh, so if you control some weeds, if you look around your yard, if you have something like a yard, or um, if you have like a place where there's plants that are not your own growing next to your door, for example, you know, things like that. Um, You know, kind of be cognizant of that. It's super common to get whitefly from, like, I was just walking a little while ago um, and I found some whitefly making little wax spirals on a um, bird of paradise. And they're super common on hibiscus. And, uh, you know, like, uh, silver leaf whitefly is on all kinds of plants too. So uh, if you can just take, take a look at that, see if you might be getting some coming in that way and perhaps on your cuttings potentially, um, you know, that's also pretty common, but I feel like they're pretty obvious white flies. They're big enough to be noticeable and they're like bright white because the wax on their body. So they like to be on the like bottom of leaves. So sometimes, you know, if it's a bushy plant or something, uh, you might not have disturbed them, but usually if there's a big enough colony, like you mentioned, if you shake the foliage, they start to like agitate and, uh, you know, they can get all, all the wax gets all over your like shirt and pants. And I've definitely had that happen before in a pretty uh, robust colony. So those are a few things you can do. And I like to use Bouveria, um against them as well, if you want to use something like that. But there's also other botanical insecticides that work great against them.
0: Uh, Sauri Zoltanji writes in the chat, couldn't you provide positive air pressure to the grow space?
5: Absolutely. And they're not very strong flyers. So like for something like Fly, I think that's, um, you know, particularly true. But at the same time, if it's getting that close into your room, you know, my assumption would be that it would be on like a cutting or a person's clothing, maybe, or like a piece of equipment, maybe. Um, But it might be like, you know, uh, sort of, Um, I've seen them kind of like they can get they can like go a few meters or more without like uh, sort of landing so it's it's a it's theoretically feasible that um, but like air coming out like that yeah
4: positive pressure would be basically like a a security measure it's not going to do much to anybody that's already in the space like it might prevent more white flies from getting there right but it's not going to I mean, they're not, I mean, white flies in the room aren't going to even notice that. The-
5: oh, no, I, th- I was thinking like, um, sorry, I should have explained, like, in my mind, I was thinking of a situation where the room is positively pressured and like a uh, hallway or right. something like that, where like, if there was like a white fly on the floor or something and you open the door, you know, that gust of wind or that air pressure, like if it starts to fly, it might like be buffeted a bit. But like you say, um, I feel like that's pretty rare and it would probably be the case that it would be on something. Um, yeah, I mean, you're about to put it in.
4: Yeah. yeah, I think positive air pressure is cool for, but it, I, I mean, my point here is just that it's going to protect your perimeter. It's not going to do much to anybody that's already on the inside. Um, it's oh, not definitely gonna, not. No, it's not going to prevent them from flying around or damaging your crop at at that point. And I just wanted to point out the the main reason like home growers don't use positive pressure is to control smell. Um you know we basically use negative air pressure to to control smell by having the only sort of you know place that air leaves the tent through a carbon filter. Um if that's not a concern for you I kind of think that positive pressure can can be something that a lot of tent growers can can utilize, um, especially if they're dealing with sort of bios and secure areas or whatever, because bugs could otherwise sort of creep in and crawl through the the tent, the seams, through the intake or whatever. Um, so, I think there's uses for it if you're not going to be concerned about smelling like you're growing cannabis in there.
1: So, if yeah, been, and- I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, Michael.
5: you go first. Or- I
1: was just say so. If I've been paying attention and that i mean i've been smoking so this is rare but if i remember correctly what i'd want to do if i wasn't worried about white flies is get some screens up on any of those locations that i'm worried about such as intakes things like that vents get some uh, insect screen like trip screen or something that's going to keep them out and then make sure i get a couple of hibiscus out there and when they get to get they draw on all those white flies i torch them just burn those fuckers and then problem solved right
5: wait say that one more time
1: <laughs> so he's
4: like he's, he's picking his so dog. if i had
1: if i had the white flies i want to get me some insect screen or like trip screen put them on all the intakes things like that ducting that i'm worried about them coming into my room maybe do the positive pressure to make sure they stay the fuck out get some hibiscus plants going a couple hibiscus bush going so that they all congregate on this hibiscus plant because you said they like them and then just torch the fuck out of those bushes and just watch them burn in hell
5: <laughs> yeah i mean that's a that's an aggressive trap crop um strategy uh very um very five rounds rapid of you very good. <laughs> I, um, good i don't know if it's economical but it's certainly
0: um uh well, well, i mean you, you could get some like biochar it. out in the it, kitchen so. sink at it yeah, yeah and you get some biochar
1: <laughs> out of it exactly that, that makes i didn't even think about that you could process that that uh burnt up plant as some biochar and some nice fertilizer
3: Put that into Speaking your of biochar, you guys want to hear something crazy? Yeah, yes. All right. Okay. So I had a conversation with uh, somebody who works with a university in Oregon, and he created this carbon sequestration technology called. It's basically called trench composting, and he's basic. He's they're able to take biomass waste biomass and turn it into lignite. Within three months to a year, using this process, which colification and mineralization of organic matter take you know typically takes you know millions of years. And what's and the lignite? Out, what's huh? the
1: mineral con- What's the mineral content of lignite? I'm not familiar with lignite.
3: Lignite it 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 it, it depends on what the starting parent material was, oh, so what type of organic right matter it came from. That'll determine uh, how much things like iron manganese but it's a carbon Uh, heavy still yeah it's a carbon it's basically um you know lignites and coal the equivalent of mineralized carbon so if you were to like have quartz right that would be like silica but this is a crystalline structure of carbon and so you know you can think of diamond as the final one you know once there's it's just pure carbon Uh, you know lignite has oxygen and hydrogen in it but with this type of composting style they uh, they cover up they dig out these trenches they can make it completely bare and they make sure that the the biomass doesn't come in contact with any uh, soils because the soil will will cause you know oxidation and reduction and anyway they make it so that way no water gets to them and what happens is it pulls out it pulls out all of the mineral elements in the water, the hydrogen and the oxygen from us. And that goes in and, uh, and on the minerals and it gets absorbed into the sidewalls of the trenches. And so like in between your trenches, you could have crops. And so all the mineral nutrition is getting pulled from in these trenches. And then it mineralizes long story, like all of that biomass into this lignite, I have these. I, I they sent me over um, a like a, like a whole like paper. It's like a sixty-four page paper that shows how they do the processes and stuff. But the end result is essentially uh,
0: lignite. Uh, I'll say this: if they're effective at actually reducing carbon from the atmosphere, their X.com, Elon Musk has like a fifty million dollar award prize for whoever can reduce the most carbon from the atmosphere with a technology like that. And I think the problem with a lot of these technologies is in theory, they might work great. And then when they actually put it into application, sometimes scalability. there's
5: scalability.
0: Like, yeah. The, there's a leak or something and, and I hope that it works. I really do. Cause there's other, no, things like no high, it, high they, have, they plants. have a,
3: they have a functional, a functional model in Southern Oregon that that's been functional since I think like 2007. And so they've just improved like the soil, they grow crops there too. And they just keep filling up these trenches to make more, like lignite in these trenches it's it's trippy i'll share i'll share the uh document in our chat that sounds interesting
0: yeah i'm always for you know potential ways i also saw one where they had a bunch of tanks uh in china they figured out a way to feed
5: tanks in china man we don't want to get taken off of that
0: but (laughs) it's it's a technology that's being used similar to like how you know some of the stuff that Brandon gets these microbe spores. They're basically made in giant vats at really complex labs to make sure that they're getting the purest, whatever the thing is. But they can essentially uh, three or four times, I think one was claiming eight times more efficient than growing corn, reduce uh, CO2 from the atmosphere. And it's one of those things. It needs more research and investment. But there's like a hundred of these technologies that claim that. And then one or two might actually be able to do it in the long run and be able to be scalable. So I hope for if, if CO2 is the big thing that is our biggest problem in our atmosphere, then hopefully we have solutions moving forward. But I think uh, on a non-climate related issue, uh, getting back to the question at hand, I think that using the screens like Spartan was suggesting is probably going to be one of the lowest cost, most effective solutions, um, whether it's like the entry to your home. Um, they make these little magnet screens, like whether you have pets or just for people coming in and out. Every single time you go in or go out, it snaps shut right behind you. So this is a way to, to prevent. F- to be fair, Jack, I was just repeating Matthew. It was Matthew's suggestion. I know, and I, I always do too. But it's uh, something to <laughs> keep in mind. With that, is you do maybe have to account for a little bit more. Uh, I think that it does maybe reduce airflow, um, depending on the fineness of the mesh, like with greenhouses especially. Um, it would be something to consider depending on where you're at Um, making sure that you have enough volume of air moving on your exhaust to be able to overcome the amount of like drag or whatever extra draw it would create. It's almost like running it through a carbon filter that fans are going to be working harder than they would be if there was no mesh there essentially. So it's something to keep in mind that I popped in my brain that I figured was worth sharing. Um, But yeah, that CS, CFM, calculations are out there for your growth space, which is something that you can look through. And I'm with Doc that most places it's good to have negative pressure and carbon filter your air, because even if you're in a legal environment, um, although cannabis prices are dropping dramatically, most places, I think it's still good to have the privacy and not have everyone know your business of the fact that you're growing a beautiful, very odorous plant that people might be attracted to and want. So uh, good suggestion there, Doc, and, and many others on the panel. Um, let me see. Has anybody not answered the, or, or jumped in on the second part of the question, I guess, where we're talking about the white flies. Brandon, do you have any suggestions here for our buddy, um, who was it? Martink 420. White flies? So they're saying that they've got millions of them. They essentially can't even step outside without inhaling like 20 of them. How do they keep the bastards out of their rooms? Do you have any other suggestions that haven't maybe been mentioned yet?
3: You could pro- you could try... Uh spraying the area outside where they're usually at with uh, something like Bavaria bassiana. Or you could do, you know, maintenance, regular, you you know, just do your regular integrated pest management maintenance.
0: Here's a question. Is Bavaria bassiana harmful to humans? Like if it's inhaled, like could they go fog that in a neighborhood? When I was a kid, they used to drive around my neighborhood with some anti-mosquito something and they would spray it
3: might be some conditions in which, uh, somebody might have like an autoimmune condition or some type of, um, you know, illness where it, it might have some adverse effect, but the whole thing about those, those types of funguses is that they're safe. They're safe around animals. They're safe around people for the most part. So, uh, in, in
0: most cases, unless you're an ant,
4: <laughs>
3: yeah well answer,
0: yeah i, I agree I with think the they're branding. safer
4: than whatever was sprayed to control the mosquitoes in your neighborhood Jack.
0: So. no i know that's yeah. what i was gonna say yeah, yeah that, that's that stuff was very toxic yeah. and nauseous like i would go outside and days later you'd play you know fall on the grass and you'd be itchy as shit and uh you always wonder what the fuck yeah. they were spraying
4: I lived in some places in Central America and Southern Mexico where they would come through and spraying for mosquitoes too. And I'd be like, what the hell are they spraying? Like, I want to go the other way. (laughs) Stay ahead of this truck coming behind us. (laughs) Crap. Yeah.
1: So the crazy thing here in Michigan is, is they do that. They fly over with airplanes and and they'll do the sprays. And when I was the first, the first year, first and second year that I worked at Mittencanicoe, We had to fucking actually go and cover our vents with plastic, our outside vents with plastic, because they were spraying something that's on the banned list that would fail us, would fail our crop. They were flying overhead and sprayed.
0: And at that point, can't you sue them? Because in general, I know somebody who's currently doing
1: such a thing. Yes, in Uh, fact. Well, yeah, and uh it dog. is
5: working out for them because their workers were um well i won't say too much about it but uh, let's just put it this way um uh you know follow the follow your own rules or it's going to be very bad for you let's put it that way
0: one well, clear <laughs> clearly document that it wasn't you and if you could show like hey we don't even have this stuff we don't possess and it. if you there's no way and, we and if you
5: cannot it. or if there's evidence against it you are in big trouble so do so I know I know that uh, I know that sounds daunting. and It's not always feasible, but there are, there is some justice in the world, sometimes.
0: I think it's worth fighting the good fight. If you really didn't spray the shit and they failed you, like uh, where I'm at in California, that's actually a very real issue for a lot of people. And the ca- cannabis banned list is a lot longer than a lot of whether it's tomatoes or spinach or whatever. Um, they can spray a lot more stuff. So if you're in a farm that's close enough by there is laws about like overspray and um, it contaminating other farms. And I'm sure there's even case law. If you look back like, Oh, this farm contaminated that other farm and this is what was the result of it. And you can go back through and use that as your sort of example of, you know, how uh, to proceed with getting your damages reimbursed. So it's kind of a crazy world to think that we could have, uh, you know, some justice, but sometimes the courts don't necessarily look the most favorably upon cannabis unfortunately um, especially you know still today uh, depending on where you're at so it might be an uphill battle at times but if you have a good attorney there are cannabis friendly attorneys out there in california michigan and other places that can help you out so don't be afraid to look around for somebody who can if you don't know your rights help you advocate for your rights and um make sure that you're not getting screwed over because they're fucking crop dusting some nasty ass chemicals that are going to ruin your crop and make you fail when you had no real involvement at all. And good on you Spartan and and the Michigan, uh, Mitten Canico Canico crew for covering up the vents because there was really no other options at that point, right? Turn off the ventilation or do whatever you got to do, but I don't know. That's a, a tough one.
2: Yeah. I'm
5: very passionate about that. So, um, yeah, lots so of people out
2: there.
0: Tao, as yeah, a gorilla do... grower, how did you find spots that you would be at least somewhat reasonably uh convinced that there wouldn't be spray from random planes or people running through? Is there any uh you know good tactics for those people out there who might have to find a patch, drop a yeah, few seeds or it, plants and hope make it, and... it difficult? You go through the brambles, you go through yeah, the, yeah, that's or the, the swamp.
6: Thing, how do not let people find it? You got make it. Like I say, thieves are lazy. They want If they weren't lazy, they'd get a job and make their own money. So if you make it hard for them, make it work, they won't generally won't be able to get to them. But you never know. Like, um, I know when West Nile virus, I guess, was a thing, they were spraying neighborhoods. But I think in in a lot of the, um, like, well, uh, yeah, I take it all back. You do not want to go into uh, state land or federal land (laughs) and plant plants. But uh, that might be a place you go out in the wilderness and not get sprayed on because, yeah, for various reasons. But, um, yeah, you never know, I guess. But they usually let the public know. Like, I know some places are like, we're going to be spraying. You guys want to stay in your house when when we're actually doing it. So, um, but, yeah, that's a great question. How to stay away from contamination is difficult in some spots, I'm sure.
0: You'd hope that most places do post, but I know not all of them are the best about it. Or it's like on a tree. If you have to go for a walk down your street, look at some piece of paper hanging on a tree. And what is that? Let's drive by and don't even think about it. The problem is they'll post it on some
1: forum and they consider consider that
0: being posted and fucking 10 people see it.
6: Exactly, yeah.
0: I guess it's another, I guess, uh, reason for some people to try indoor if they can. Um, It would potentially give them the limitations or, or the best chances to limit what is being unintentionally put onto their product. And I think most of us, a large part of our audience, are I imagine at this point, although I do see a fair amount of outdoor, I will say, uh, shout out to all you outdoor growers out there. Um, some beautiful, big ass plants, amazing plants, little plants, even like the little solo cup grows outdoor. Shout out
6: to all of you outdoor. We're doing it um, greenhouse, everything. I have a question for Spartan. Did, did uh, Mittenco ever consider maybe uh, some sort of insanely crazy filter for the incoming air? Like, so no matter what contamination was in it, it would they be weren't filtered out? Air.
1: The filters, so they were passive filters, passive, they were just basically holes in the wall. And right. it wasn't for any air intake. Uh, uh, it wasn't It wasn't air intake, but it was to blow out the room for the CO2. So I got it. because right, right. of the co2 um the it was fire code you you have to have a a way that if it goes to a certain level of co2 it just dumps the room exactly got that it was the co2 dump so we had to have these fucking holes in the wall wonderful thing right in a grow room so mm-hmm. obviously we had filter on both sides but um
5: i mean counter not, construction that like that more often than i'd wish and i think sometimes but yeah exactly where it's like some doorway or some like basically massive hole in the wall is now just leaking atmosphere into your yeah. confined space and there's havoc with everything
1: who knows past too? if they're small enough they might be able to get through
6: oh, sure, yeah i'm sure you had it screened and whatnot but yeah we had we had filter on
1: both eye, both yeah, inside, yeah, yeah, yeah. And inside but still it was a, it was annoying and you could feel like the you can like what Matthew was just saying atmosphere. You could feel like when it was winter time, you could feel the cold
0: coming through and just annoying. Yeah, like Brandon was mentioning with the greenhouse, with a wet wall, the microclimates that will produce, especially depending on the outside climate, if that thing is really cranking and you've got your air conditioning really running hard on one side like yeah it gets to the other end with all the fans and everything circulating it but uh it's changing the humidity it's uh changing the temperature and that section of plants that's like within 10 feet of it's gonna be a lot different than 20 feet further so it's tough to overcome some of that stuff and i think um not i haven't seen too many greenhouses in our audience but they there's a handful out there that do it uh most of them i don't think are pumping ac and running lights uh you know every single hour of the day. I think it's more like carports or DIY, little uh, pop-up, you know, pulling tarps and things like that, which I've actually seen do a damn good job, actually. Um, If you just have the passion to get out there every day, pull that tarp. And (coughs) they even make a thing called the golden arm where it just pulls it for you. It's like a little electric uh, doohickey that you can slap on to the side of your greenhouse and it pulls the tarp for you. But uh, I've heard some mixed results sometimes. uh, There's good to have human... Like even at Mitten Canico, they would have automatic watering, but they'd have people there watching it just to make sure everything goes off smoothly. And I think the same thing for the tarp is probably a good idea. If you're not there, at least have a camera on it to make sure that uh, the tarp doesn't get caught in the wind, blow off somewhere or something like that, because stuff like that does happen. Weird things. <laughs> Nature involves itself in our grows, whether it's pests, wind, rain, hail. I mean, that's uh, some of those unexpected things. Oh, we got somebody in the chat who needs to get removed. Thank you very much. Got it. Whoever got them. Not a lot of us, it's not what we got. It. We got Dog Doctor jumping in, and we, uh, Brandon just jumped out. His dogs were acting up. So uh, cheers to Brandon Russ. Check out bokashi earthworks.com. I just ordered some Micro Plus and Amino N Plus myself over there. Uh, even if he has deals going, I try to, you know, some people, when they hit up their friends, they want to ask them for like the discount, the deal, the hookup. Give me the homie hookup. When I get something from my buddies, I try to pay full price because they're a small business owner. <laughs> Hook them up, dude, if you can, if you could afford to. Uh, but that being Good said. If you want to uh, go ahead and uh, get those discounts, because I, I do think that he does give out discount codes, places, but yeah, shout out to Brandon. Great dude. And welcome in to a uh, regular guest at this point, the dog doctor. Welcome back.
7: Hi, guys. Nope. <clears throat> sorry. Hi, guys. Thank you. Hope everybody's doing well. What's up, everybody?
1: Good to see Thank you, man. Thank
7: you for having me. Thank you. Let me check this off. No. I should...
1: I'm actually what I want to see, man. You know, I want to see that one plant. I want to see just that one. (laughs) That big beast. What's up,
7: Doc? What's up, everyone? What's up, Tao? You want to go straight to that one? I can go straight to the big mama. I can go straight to the big mama. She's almost ready. Can you turn it to
0: the side? Can you turn your phone to the side and see if it snaps over there? And then I'm going to spotlight you. Spotlight for everyone. Let's see if it snaps. Yeah, (laughs) there we go. Look at (laughs)
2: this thing.
7: i had to take it here she was she wanted to mold there so okay. i took that but apart from that i'm checking it all over every day taking the dead leaves this and that but uh
1: gotta be getting see, close man he's looking close
7: he's looking close but when i see the, the trichomes in it, you guys can't see them because so it doesn't clear. focus
4: are there uh, healthy leaves still on the plant
7: anywhere Yeah, kind of. A few, but not not many. She's drinking. She's still drinking. The auto pot's still drying and putting water, drying and putting
4: water, so... I mean... Is this because of flushing? Why? What's going on with the...
7: This is an auto which has already 117 days. It's retarded, dude. I don't know what to do else to her. She's here. I'm waiting for her. I think in a few days I will harvest it anyway.
4: Yeah, no, because I think she's done, man.
7: Dude, the trichomes—they are. There's no hammer.
4: The trichomes are not a reliable guide for when to harvest a plant. Period.
7: No hammer at all. But anyway, I need to clean it up because of the trips.
4: But I, I can I, I can sort of tell that the the plants. I mean, the, the all those flower clusters are are ripe. I mean, they're. Sort of going into their late stages of fluorescence. Um, so regardless of what the the trichomes are showing you at that point, I, I think that it's time to harvest. I mean, I think uh, you've got a lot of cannabis on that plant too. So,
7: dude, yeah, she's she's big. I harvest the other the her sister yesterday, and she's she's going to be harvested, like I was saying, tomorrow, the day after. It, it's, it's are you, it's,
1: um. Do you usually whole plant hang or do you usually break them up when you hang them? This I'm breaking up. The, her okay, sister a, I, bro- I was going to suggest that.
7: Suggest <laughs> I that. hang the plant, but uh, her sister I broke her up because it's not huge buds, but still. Hey, so,
1: man. Yeah, that's so a good size, man. That's
0: smoke, man. Yeah. Some good homegrown herb. It doesn't have to look perfect. That's my no, thing. No, no. I bet you it's going to smoke just fine.
7: Oh, I hope so. And uh, remember that ugly one?
0: Ta-da. There you go. It's a lot healthier plant here. Have you flipped that? Yeah.
7: yeah, no, I'm going to flip her. I'm, I was waiting on the beneficial bugs to arise. Oh, okay. Just in case, you know, I kind of want to have
1: To stretch. Okay, you're not too close yet. Yeah. I,
7: I, I can bring this up closer here. I still oh, yeah, have, so have like, have like uh, uh, one meter and something still. So it's hungry. okay. And I'm okay, she didn't stretch that much, but uh, the, good, she's, though, man. she's really good. She's looking green, but she was dead already. Almost, she was. <laughs>
2: she
7: was. Now I'm happy, yeah. Man. The fungus nets are here. I don't know if I, I don't see trips in here, don't ask me how, but uh, it's full of fungus nets. I so, cleaned the bottom
1: on that other one. You did a good job on the right side, but on the left side, clean that bottom up a little I'm bit more. The, they She's growing. I'm going to clean it there. all.
7: This is going to go all the way. Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm going to take some clones out of here. I left this to take clones. Look, good. Yeah. That's, here. A good
1: one. that's a really good one.
7: There's a, a couple of good clones here. I don't want to lose this rent one. I like it. I agree with you. So, this is the reason why I left this down here. Otherwise, I would, uh, when I cleaned it, I would clean it at all. And, yeah, uh, that'll, that'll
1: get that airflow and that might help with the fungus gnats. It might dry the tops down a little bit
7: yeah this and the beneficial bugs, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, a beneficial of bugs. Them.
1: or a I'm fan going... if you had like a little fan to put down there maybe even
7: this one is the last one i will show you guys because it's the ones where uh, i see trips i see spider webs appearing but i don't see anything and uh, i'm just this is the amnesia she's growing okay also no it's showing any. Yeah, no showing any signs of uh, trips, the fungus nets not so much. Also, I don't see anything in here. She nice. looks pretty healthy, which I don't understand since the closets are pretty much you don't
1: understand.
7: No, dude, look. <laughs> I, I normally <laughs> Come on, man. I, I was watering uh, like is, the, both hard. of them opening and I wanted one side. Now, no, this 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 closet's it's it's I disinfect everything after. <laughs> After I go there, <laughs> 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 the runs taste better,
0: I guess. but this one
7: is way stronger. No, the no, the amnesia stands better than the bubble. That is there. I think that's the
4: why chewbacca, that, yeah. The that, chewbacca well, that's why sure. that plant doesn't have any pests.
1: Man. Oh, dude, got they're, they're
0: totally scared. Chewy is, is <laughs> doing <laughs> his job. That's right, okay. what I mean. that's, yeah,
4: that's what's different about that tent, obviously.
0: Chewy IPM, man. Dude, it's like (laughs) a scarecrow, but for fungus gnats. Who would mess with that chewy? He's going to come and
5: uh, throw hands. off their legs, (laughs) right?
4: Absolutely. I mean, there he is. He's he's on on the job. He's on the job, man. I wouldn't be a fungus gnat on those traps either, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That would be terrifying
0: (laughs) if I was the size of a fungus gnat.
7: And so a thing like that, it's magic.
0: (laughs) Also, I will say, Spartan mentioned uh, the fan being on the bottom. There was a fan on the bottom of that tent, and there's also a little bit cleaner uh, bottom of the plant. So those are uh, two other than Chewy, because I do think Chewy is doing a lot of the work there.
7: True.
0: This also helps a lot.
7: (laughs) But do you want to know the funny part? When I moved this one in here, I moved this one in here, and they both came from there. So they were in the same closet, the same ambience. So whatever infection and bugs came from from there to here, it, w- it didn't came here.
0: I'll, I'll tell you why I'm a little bit unsurprised is uh, if maybe that one was a healthier plant, it had a bigger root system, it was drinking more quickly. And if you yeah. water them all kind of at the same time cause it's convenient or cause you, it might seem like they're all ready at the same time. Sometimes the healthiest one is ready and all the other ones really aren't ready. So they get watered earlier. And then they get overwatered, and then the fungus gnats come around. So that could be part
7: of what might have
2: happened.
7: I'm opening very slowly and like this. she's looking okay, despite the color. And uh, I don't see webs actually for a few days now. I'm hoping that it was just a spider that found his way inside the tents. And in when I was, ah, fuck, there I was talking too early. I see webs down there. Fuckers.
2: Uh, can you guys see them
0: oh that looks like oh. like a random ha- like that doesn't look like a, a spider spider web, spider web, spider web to yeah. me that- yeah yeah. Me I, I, yeah uh
5: dog doctor
7: this, is a, this this is a fucker that is just here spiding and fucking my my brain yeah <laughs> yeah
1: because it might be you, an actual spider maybe
5: yeah you <laughs> yeah, could to yeah, yeah. me previously yeah and uh no i think now that i see a better i have a better look at it um i really don't think that these are uh the spider strands which is it's great good.
7: it's That's great, good exactly. news actually yeah because i clean in there a uh, few days later they appeared in there then i clean in there then they appeared. i think this she's running away from me
4: apparently well she's also I clean... hunting for something like yeah, spiders she's, she's are eating
0: right. those fungus gnats probably yeah, oh, yeah.
4: they're, they're <laughs> trying to catch flies or something in there yeah, yeah, good and I bad think... news maybe
7: no, I don't mind down there. I don't mind if she webs and catch from yeah, the heads. Up here, I don't want it. <laughs> she can do it down there or up
4: there.
0: My first not outdoor there. grow, I had a spider that we, me and my roommate collectively decided not to kill because it was eating a lot of the other potentially harmful stuff. We got crispy wannabe and smart poker dropping in too, by the way. But uh, yeah, it was a little bit scary at first because like, as somebody who's not quite an arachnophobe but not hugely fond of spiders, I uh, was worried. But it did, uh, I think, prevent some of the nasty bugs from getting on there. And it wasn't like the uh, spider mites because totally different web. But maybe... spider
7: mites are scary. I remember in California when trimming, they would f- make bridges like this thick of spider mites from one side to the other. It's, whoa. Where the, it was, damn. I don't want that in here. That's for sure. Anyway, that's my update. Thank you.
0: I just wanted to say welcome into to Smot Poker and Crispy Wannabe. We've got you on the spotlight now so we can see both you and Dog Doctor. And Dog Doctor, since you just showed off your garden, I'm going to remove the spotlight. You're more than welcome thank to hang. You. Thanks for showing garden,
1: man. Appreciate it. Yeah, yes, thank you thanks for having.
6: Back. And good to see thank you, Crispy you. and Smart. Cheers, guys. Oh, yeah. It's good to, hey,
0: see, good to see you guys.
6: Welcome. Looking
8: good, buddy.
0: Welcome back. Yeah, this is looking great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is a 4
8: by 4 tent we're doing here. Um, we got Three different plants under there, under high-frequency fertigation. Uh, we we topped them once, removed nodes one, and kept two, three, four, and five. And my training leaves a lot to be desired. And that's more of just kind of holding them up. We're about four weeks into flower here, I believe, halfway through the game. And uh, you can see it's not been a perfect grow. Uh, early on, we pulled a bonehead and put them into some unbuffered cocoa. We got mixed up. <laughs> And they really suffered for about ten or twelve days and didn't grow much at all. So, at forty days we flipped, and so the three of them did okay. We got some empty spaces here. Can Ooh, you wow. flip
0: your camera? Speaking of flip, uh, from like up and down to side to side. And look at Boom. that airflow. Yeah, I was about you to say that too. Fans. He's got those three fans Damn. underneath. They're all small, but Damn. it's keeping the air flowing nice and well. The, uh, you're not going to blow away. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>
8: My intake's in the back. I like to get the cold air at the bottom and drive it up through the canopy, you know, pushing the hot Mm -hmm. air up here to the uh, filter and uh, right out. And then uh, we're running this Photon Tech X465 Watt Pro provided by Dr. MJ and Gross Sponsor. Cheers to them. That's Uh, a great light.
9: I have two of them and I love them. Not the Photon Tech, the Lumatech, because I'm in Europe, but they are amazing lights, dudes.
0: Same company, just the Europe version and the American version for those out there who don't know that that. growing. We're running
8: at 100% at about one foot, and we're getting about a 1,000 on some of these colas back here, maybe a little much. But when I had it at 75% and lowered, we weren't getting quite the densities that we wanted on the edge. So I had to raise it and pump up the power a little bit, but it does a great job in this 4x4. We've had multiple grows. And another thing we're trying is there's two different things we've been trying to poke around with to get to get a feel for. And one is I read this thing about the over application of phosphorus. So we cut out the cool bloom totally and I actually noticed that they did pretty good, you know. And then uh, so now we're just running the straight bloom. And uh, we've been trying to figure out if, um, you know, if that's cool to do that. So far, I haven't seen any issues. So our three strains are Tropicana purple cookies in the front on the left. On the right, we have the Cali Kush, and it's very odoriferous out of all of them. It's really taken. And then in the back, there's a GMO cookies. And you can see the difference in the two buds from GMO cookies to the Tropicana. It's fun watching that. They're, like, a lot wider. The hairs are heavier. And uh, another thing we're doing, guys, and I know I'm rambling here, but uh, we're trying to figure out in a tent what is the perfect amount of veg time using our growing system. And uh, – I'm thinking for four square feet, it's one plant, roughly 30 days, 35 days veg from seed and then flip. And I think that's going to be the perfect size for a good return on investment versus manageability of the canopy and the plants and not having too many pots and, or not having, you know, and I think we'll get a good turnover rate per year like that. Yeah.
2: You don't think it depends on on genetics?
8: That's...
4: uh... Four square feet, so four. you would have four plants in that four-by-four, right?
8: Yeah, one of them uh, didn't make it, man. It kind of suffered a little too much, so we just got rid of it.
4: Yep, I agree with that, though. 30-day veg, uh, if you stay right on top of your game, uh, flip them. You'll get plants that will fill in four square feet and high-frequency fertigation cocoa. I mean, you're looking at it there.
0: That's what I was doing in in, uh, five square feet. Uh, Well, not a five- Five by five, five, but five square feet. I have a uh, three by like one and a half, and I was vegging for thirty days uh, in like one gallons or solo cup. Essentially, the total veg was thirty days or less, and then flip. to uh, How many nine... plants? Just one plant. I was anywhere between uh two and five. Yeah, that's and... what he's
4: saying. He's doing like he can. He's talking about getting a four square foot plant in thirty days. Um, that in uh, yeah. a thirty day veg to flip. So,
8: but yeah, I mean, that's not too far
4: different from what you're talking about if you're doing it with two plants in a slightly larger space, John.
8: I think it's a good four four harvest a year that way. You know, I kind of really don't care if they grow too much in the summer. So maybe just run one of these. We have another ten here in the Plant Training Growth Challenge that's currently in the SCOTO period. I've been telling people that a lot. Thanks, Matthew. <laughs>
0: You'll definitely get some people asking questions and it starts a conversation so i think it's a, a good term and i think that this light is going to yield very well i think any of these lights that are bar lights like that if you run them at 100 percent and you keep things pretty dialed in which it looks like it's most everything looks pretty happy in there and uh, you got a lot of blood slides i think that's going to be a pretty massive yield for you guys over there
8: yeah we're very grateful to have the medicine and like i said it's not going to be our best return on investment but i'm trying to figure out a happy medium of everything because We've overdone it and got mold and just had like, yeah, it looks good to show someone a really full tent, but it sucks to flush a quarter pound down the freaking toilet, you know? So I'm really trying to find and dial it in. So uh, it's been fun following all you guys and trying to get a feel for everything. And we've, we grew auto flowers for a long time and recently switched to straight both tents running photo period. So we're doing the cloning and shit now, and it's just been fun trying to figure all this stuff out.
2: Yeah, and it's an honor to be here. I, I just wanted to tell you y'all cheers and um, it, just to be on the show, show, in our garden here at the home grow Show. We appreciate it's, it's it. It's awesome.
0: We're always happy to have you. And cheers to you, Crispy. Happy to have you as well. I know uh, Smot gets a lot of the credit, but I know this is a two-person show over there. You both uh, work really hard and uh, both deserve to be on here and much appreciate having you. Uh, since you switched over to Photo Periods, have you noticed the preference towards one or the other um, in either cultivation or consumption of either of them?
8: I noticed the auto flowers get massively larger because of all the extra light. So we would grow four plants in, in here and get mold all the time. It would just be packed. We showed the American one the other day. A matter of fact, uh, some of our old grows and, and some of our, and, and he was like, uh, he wants to try some of those seeds. So the, the auto flowers seem to get big. You can't control much with them, you know? And, but I, I personally really am enjoying these photo periods. I like the cloning. I really like to be able to clone, even though that's not something that I'm going to really get into due to space reasons. I enjoy just doing that. I think uh, like these plants were sick for 10, 12 days. We was able to nurse them back, get them to where we wanted. Um, obviously, you know, there's aspects about it that are good, but um, yeah, since we have to use the tents and shit, it's best I think, and we get more diversity. It seems like with the with the photo periods, and uh, we've I I've, I've noticed personally, I I think the terpenes feel like stronger, like it just I don't know. I've had some great great autoflowers, but it seems like these photos are consistently just giving like a stronger smells and terps. I'm not really sure how to explain it. And uh, we've got a long ways to go to really be able to say that with 100 percent confidence, but that's my inclination so far.
2: Yeah, and I, I like the photo periods. Like Smot said, you know, these started out rough, but look at them now. With an autoflower, we we wouldn't be afforded that. So I'm liking the photo periods because they're they're forgiving in that in that nature.
4: Yeah. I always say that that's one of the reasons that I don't think autos are good for beginners because they don't give you a chance to make up for mistakes. I mean, you you make a mistake and you're wearing that mistake all the way to harvest. Um, But yeah, with with photos, you just give them a couple extra weeks, let them recover and then flip and you can still have a big, beautiful plant.
8: I know it's not a common thing here on this show or this panel, but a lot of times we all know that the one thing I always like to tell people is uh, one thing I haven't noticed is any difference in potting up, as long as you're timing your autos right, they, they'll actually do it much better. So people are always trying to, so as far as that goes, we really haven't done anything different there. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, they just get less light, less time to work on them. And you know, it's hard to be home when you need to be. And so, you know, there's, there's give and take, I guess, for everything, but it's fun to poke around and see all those differences, right? Because I'm hard-headed, guys. I got to see it for myself. You know what I mean?
2: It's true.
6: <laughs> I know it's me. <laughs> she
8: says, like, exasperated.
6: That's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's true. In the background. It's true. Trust
0: me. <laughs> Sounds like uh, she knows from experience, I'll say. But uh, I think all of us can be at times, right? Until you're proven, like, somebody can tell you over and over. But once you actually experience it for yourself, that's going to be the real kind of way to know for somebody in a lot of 100%. cases it's tough to just trust somebody on their word and their experience might be different for a number of reasons like where they cultivate um you know how they cultivate and what they're cultivating so there's so many factors that weigh into it it's really good to get that personal firsthand experience i think that's why most people want to hire somebody who's got actual experience not just somebody who's you know reading or, or parroting what they've heard somewhere else from their buddy who's doing it or whatever you know it's, it's good to actually be like hey this is what i've done and this is what i know and uh, it's, it's great to learn from that firsthand. So you and, and many of us all are going through it kind of uh, every single grow. I'm, I'm sure that you're learning something still. And so that's uh, part of the beauty of this plant. It, it teaches us. To that.
1: I just want to shout out to both you guys for one, you know, now you get your own show and I think you should at least promote that and shout that out where we can see that and, the time and everything and uh just for coming on and showing your grow, everyone dog doctor as well it's not an easy thing to come on the show and uh, and show off your grow so i just appreciate yeah.
8: everyone when they do that
4: yeah i'm stoked oh. you guys came on too absolutely
8: we appreciate it. my wife and i always say that we've been looking up to this whole panel for quite some time so for us to have a show have all you guys on it to be calling us out and stuff. It means a lot to us. And you're like family. We spend a lot more time. We all say that we spend more time with you, but we do have a show. We have two, uh, a YouTube channel under my name, smart poker. And, uh, we do a Sundays and confused show from noon to two. And, uh, we do a a hump day show on Wednesday from seven to 9 PM. These are Eastern standard times. And a lot of times it's open for people to come on and share and, uh, you know, just collaboration. Uh, it's a lot of our show is an extension of Doc MJ and his site and his chat. And like that's we just kind of wanted to build a place where people could come in real time and hang out and share what they know, no matter what they're what they're into. If they're growing one plant or 100 plants and uh, it's just fun. And I found it to be very rewarding to get to know everybody and and, and share like that.
2: And look at what we learned how to do. You know, I, I'm so impressed with our with our garden, and that goes back to everything that we learned here and over
6: at Cocoa for Cannabis. I'm impressed too, Crispy. You you guys kill it. Every single grow. Yeah, yeah, when you were showing all those autos, you guys single-handedly, smarts like, yeah, every single auto I grow was like four foot, six feet tall with massive buds, and he showed me the evidences of it. So I'm like, yeah, I I I'm gonna try and do a good auto grow at least once in my existence on this planet. So I'm gonna definitely uh, give it a go. That's
4: that's one of the ways that like I sort of low key can understand how growers are if they've grown autos and they tell me like autos are tiny little plants. I'm like, okay. And they (laughs) tell me like autos are (laughs) these big giant plants that I can't control. I'm like, okay. I mean that that tells you something quite significant about the grower.
0: To get it to be able to go that wild is a a good accomplishment. I think it shows that you can keep a plant healthy. And when you do, they have the capacity to be insane monsters of plants. Like many have kind of quoted like Mephisto being, I think the first prominent one who not only saw that they have great yields, but they could breed some of the terpiness from the photoperiods into them where I think modern autos, um, many people have great experiences with them. So there's not as much reporting of it, but a lot of the old heads will still say like, oh yeah, that's the big difference. Like photoperiods, you're going to get a little bit more terpiness, a little bit more potency. But uh, a lot of the autos nowadays do stand up with some of the better breeders, if, especially if you grow it well and you get a, yeah. a good pheno. I mean, 25% THC is pretty high for most people, and they've got terps to go along with it. And there's several strains doing that now on the autoflower side of things. And uh, shout out to, like, Gnome Automatics and uh, a whole bunch of others, uh, 2020 Mendocino. Um Humble It's, it's company. just so
4: much more common, though, to, to see that in a photo period, right? I mean, I agree with you, Jack. Like, there are autos that are just as terpy and just as sort of full of cannabinoids, right? But it's more harder to find those characteristics in photo periods. And it's sort of, you know, still maybe a minority or not all autos, at least.
0: It's like a dice roll or a, a coin toss, depending yeah. on who which breeder you choose.
4: Yeah, exactly. But there are good auto flower breeders, absolutely. And I think that if you have a bad idea about autos, um, hear what small poker and crispy wannabe said about how big they can grow and find a a good breeder that's turning out some fire and, and give them another shot. Because I definitely think that they've got a reputation that's not sort of where they deserve to be in grower's imagination at this point.
0: Yes, it's not lowrider anymore, or if it is, uh, avoid right. lowrider. But Spartan, you got a chance to speak in Michigan this week. I'd like to hear a little bit about that before you get going on to the Michigan Bros Grow Show.
1: Sure. Yep. And I have something else I want to share real quick, too. So I'm going to try to make it quick. But yeah, I went at uh, at the Capitol. I did. Uh, There's a lot of great speakers uh, before me. Uh, I also gave a speech and I kind of just uh, listened to the ones before me and then decided when I went out uh, what I was going to talk about was more of hey you know weed is uh what brought us together and there's a place for all of us in this industry there's no reason why we have to single anyone out really except for the bad actors and um there's no reason why example of a bad actor is there's no reason why you'd have to pay lobby groups for example to single out anybody in the industry we should be paying lobby groups to make it easier to grow weed that's the whole uh spirit of the plant to begin with and uh i don't if you follow Skillwell one he's got the 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 best recording that i've seen of it so far and uh he he missed like the tiny bit at the beginning but he got the vast majority of it um i don't remember exactly all i said i just kind of shooting from the hip so it wasn't like a prepared thing but uh that was the gist of it basically it was work together oh and i gave some tips on how what people could do you know what you can do, what you can do to, to advance the cause and uh, you know be that talk to a lawmaker or just I told people the easiest way for me is just to heal people, right Help help heal people with, with the plant. They'll be the best advocate for the plant, them and their family, especially if they were losing hope.
0: Yeah, word of mouth is the best advertisement?
1: Yeah, so I just kind of drove those kind of points home and it was well received. I was the, the MC or the guy that was introducing all the different speakers his name is ryan bringold he he helps organize a lot of these events and uh he handed me a couple gifts he handed me like a like a 700 milligram edible uh he handed me some. he said he handed me this like psychedelic shirt was pretty sweet uh and uh, he said i was given this shirt and i I was told i was supposed to give it to someone today i'd like you to have it and i was like, well thank you man so i must have made a decent impression i was really proud of myself and it was uh it was a little nerve wracking, but once I got up there with the microphone in my hand and figured out to hold it really close so I could be heard. Uh, it was a lot easier. It was a lot easier. So uh, I don't know. I felt good about it. And uh, it feels good that I was able to do that and was even had the opportunity to talk at the state capitol. That's that's cool to be able to say that I did, you know,
0: so I feel good about it. You're a lifelong part. Michigander, right? oh yeah for sure so i mean that's that is an accomplishment man and hell yeah hats off to you i'm proud of you as a person and just as a a cannabis advocate that's amazing and i think you said you might have one more thing to share before you uh get running off here
1: yeah if i can uh see if i share my screen real quick now this is information that came to me
0: i don't know if you're seeing what i'm seeing here michigan state police will be executing 120 search warrants in uh yeah,
1: this is the Michigan State Police will be executing, we have a new director at the CRA who was ex-police, and then this is kind of what's come up from that. But the Michigan State Police will be executing 120 search warrants in the next 30 days under the direction of the new CRA director. The state police have been doing controlled buys for two years and they scored all of the bad actors on licensed side, as well as the black market vendors, which means all these events, they have like a scoring system. They have so much evidence and surveillance that they had to score people based on the severity of the violations. They will be rating the highest scoring bad actors first. Now, the reason I bring this up is, is I've seen uh some people fairly big in the industry already get busted or have have bust. I'm not saying they're guilty or not guilty, but they have been rated. So um. I just want to put it out there that, uh, you know, all of these events that I'm, I'm sure I've brought it up in the past, but I don't know how um, long this was going to continue to be allowed. I think this is the beginning of the end of these events, and it, it, at least all over Michigan. There might be pockets of Michigan where they'll still be allowed, like Washtenaw County, where they moved cannabis to the lowest priority of enforcement. But um, if you're outside of Washtenaw County, I really, really hesitate before I mean you could attend events and buy that's still protected if you have a patient card but if you're a vendor i would really protect myself as far as i just wouldn't go honestly i was gonna be honest with you i just wouldn't go it's not worth the risk but i'm throwing it out there because i'm a big fan of this community and i just don't want to see anybody in jail for cannabis i think that's fucking terrible so
0: I mean we just the whole last prisoner project. I mean, this is what yeah, we're all I was wearing my last
1: prisoner project sweatshirt when I was giving the speech, too. So didn't your character. president last week or
9: whatever said that it was opening whatever and
1: releasing whatever? Is it's all just blah blah. You you just well, said it. you just said it. Yeah, whatever basically. and whatever. Okay, and whatever. What,
0: Okay, you, okay, it's, it's that okay. I'm sorry. It's lip service, is what some would say. I mean, and some are but at the same regard, it's munch records, it did And I heard maybe as many as a few thousand people were actually released. So Yeah, Yeah, I'm not I'm
1: not complaining. That's awesome
0: for everyone that had it released. Um, Right.
1: It would be great if some of the governors of the different states where it's legal, cough, cough, Michigan, would uh, back up their, you know, their their commander in chief here who uh, said that he would like uh, the governors to follow suit because. To my knowledge and maybe I'm wrong that he doesn't have the jurisdiction to be able to to pardon anybody at the state level and that's the governor's that's up to the governor's job so that's correct come on governor step up let's do it okay great and point. Thank you, thank you so that much our
4: jailer and arrested for cannabis is because of state laws
1: absolutely yep. All right, guys. I got to jet out of here, but uh, I'm running over to the Michigan Bros. Grow Show. We're interviewing Rodney from Deliciously Dope TV on YouTube. And uh, he's a chef and a cannabis user. So should be a All great right. show. We'll see you guys later. Martin. Myself, Thank you, bro. buddy. Grows
7: Keep loud. growing,
0: everybody. Love you guys.
7: Thank you. Spartan. Thanks, guys,
0: always great to have them. And I completely agree. It's, it's worth advocating for and uh, fighting for your rights and in certain circumstances, being careful, making sure that you don't end up behind bars because that's the ultimate thing that we're all trying to avoid and advocate for others. Write in those letters if you uh, can, if you haven't already. And uh, we again do appreciate all the donations during the uh, chat-a-thon that were raised um, for the last person project. I just, uh, you know, couldn't be ha- happier to see the community come together behind a good cause and try and really do the best. Like the um, woman that they had, she's one of the board members. She came on earlier in the chatathon and she was talking about how she's served 10 years over conspiracy, never caught her with actual cannabis. They had like text messages or something like that, but uh, it- it's crazy that so much of people's lives can be taken. And uh, it's one of those things that it's still going on today. There's still red States and there's still green States that are going to you know, overregulate and make it so if you're operating without a permit or something, you could still end up behind bars or with huge fines that maybe you can't end up paying, it'll put you in a terrible spot. So it's always important, even when it becomes legal, to be aware of your laws and to uh, advocate for better ones, because even if it is legal, it's not necessarily perfect anywhere that I've come across uh, in the U S or elsewhere. So we've all got a lot of work left to do. And, uh, keep growing is the thing thing Spartan always says when he leaves that I think uh, I've been slacking on that a little bit. I'm doing uh, a lot more now to be more diligent, keep my things cleaned up, get back into it and stay on top of it. Because uh, if you don't, you know, the garden doesn't keep itself going. (laughs) You have to do it and uh, it's work, but it's work that's worth doing. And I know a lot of you out there can relate. Uh, Noah Lee Groa has inspired me many times in the past about, you know, talking about getting the work done when it needs to be done. And uh, sometimes I don't always do that, (laughs) but Uh, as much as you can making it that priority and uh the show you know every week i make this priority so i got two hours for this i gotta make at least that much time for the garden and uh probably more so it's one of those constant reminders that it's a plant is a living thing and if you don't nurture it then it's not gonna thrive and benefit like the way it can like uh smart poker they and chris blanaby they nursed that plant back to health if you didn't say that that plant was uh, struggled at any point, I would just look and say, damn, that's a healthy plant. That must've been a pretty solid growth so far. Uh, because that's one of the beauties in cocoa is if things do go a little bit off, like I had a plant sitter who flushed my plant uh, mid-veg. They just gave it water, 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 like the three times that they came over um, in cocoa, which lowered my EC to basically nothing. Came back to all yellow plants. I foliar sprayed them. I gave them a nice nutrient feed. And within, I, I want to say it was like 48 hours, they went from basically pure yellow Back to green, which I didn't even think was like possible to yeah. make that big of a recovery. Uh, I thought once they were like yellow, it was like damaged and it was not going to be good. But you could actually see, you can rescue and recover these plants. Like Dog Doctor had that plant that was uh, dry a few weeks it ago. It was almost dead. <laughs> it literally looked like it. if you wait another forty-five minutes or hour or two, that thing probably would have been dead. But it got water and it, they bounced back, and they can really make a strong recovery. Strong plants.
9: It's called weed for a reason, I think.
0: Yeah. Aaron, the grower has some of those uh, feral hemp seeds that basically the no hope dope that had no tending to it at all. Uh, And that shows like the one end of the spectrum, but on the other end of the spectrum, like we talked about earlier, greenhouse, indoor, outdoor, uh, in all those instances, like Spartan said, it could come down to the grower scale experience, uh, having a good season, but none of it happens if you don't actually do the work, like having the good genetics, putting the plants in the ground and uh, putting it all together, start to finish, having that good season relies on the gardener.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel that every time I try growing plant stuff, like it's not as easy as you know you you, you think it is when you just talk about it and tell other people how to do it, when you tell other people how to do it, it's really easy for me to grow other people's cannabis, like through the phone or like, you know, <laughs> yeah. <chat>. Like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is really easy. I don't know why you're struggling so badly with this, you know? Look but how like, good yeah, you just me, did. Good job.
0: <laughs> it's a, funny, man.
4: i like, okay, yeah, now I get it. Mm-hmm. It's so
0: humbling because like I was crushing it and I was helping other people crush it. Like they were struggling. And I think that's where I think teaching helps people learn. The best like oh, if you yeah. could teach somebody how to do something you know the topic 100%. pretty well and if you can rescue somebody's garden you can rescue your own garden at another point and you working with hundreds or thousands of growers on instagram or youtube we get to see way more than we would ever be exposed to in our own garden so in a way we learn at a rapid clip like with indoor you get five crops a year where outdoor you might only get the one but if you're diligent and looking around you can find tons of information scientific and anecdotal and uh, find what works best for you and your climate and things like that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a beautiful thing, this plant. But with that said, we've got a handful of people that I want to pass it around to. I'm going to kick it first to Dog Doctor, our uh, first guest tonight.
9: Thank you. And thank you guys for having me. It was always a pleasure. Thank you, Matthew, for all the help you gave me among this week. I'm waiting on the bugs. Let's hope uh, they do their job. And uh, I'm not so much worried again now with the spiders since uh, you guys say it's no spider webs. So it's just a spider normal there. I will find her at some points <laughs> just to know where she is. Apart from that, thank you guys for having me. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, you, Jack, Matthew, Dr. MJ, Coco. Thank you, Spot, Poker and Crispy for the joining us also. Great gardens. Always a pleasure to see you on your show also. Uh, Spartan, The Shot, you guys are great. And I would like to thank Aptos also, of course, which is my big backup. Without them, my plants would not bounce back the way they do i think i really think that the quality on the nutrients you use uh, really helps and if you went to organics or minerals they really have a good baseline so good love to them and good love to you guys thank you once again
0: thank you so much doctor great having you as always and our other guests this evening it was great seeing you smart poker and crispy you're on mute over there still Sorry.
2: Thanks guys. Thank you, Jack. It's always <laughs> awesome. time hanging out with you every Sunday. Uh, we look forward to this all week and uh, you, you helped us get to where we are today. Everybody here in chat and all the great shows and information that you all on the panel are putting out there. Uh, it's an honor to be here.
8: I second that and I appreciate the platform and all the grower love that goes around. Um, yeah, this is a great time. And, and like, I like my wife said, we look forward to this every week. And so uh, thanks dog doctor. And I always tell people mother nature grows them. I just tend to them. We try to do our due diligence and uh, stay humble, you know and try to share what we can. And I always try to keep an open mind. There's plenty of times where com- common sense or what I thought was common sense had led me astray and growing. So I try to keep an open mind, And even when it sounds like crazy to me, I really want to dig deeper. And I think curiosity is one of my driving factors. So as long as I don't lose that curiosity and that love for this uh, growth, this is where our heart is. We're here every Sunday and I don't see it changing anytime soon. So uh, yeah, definitely love the community and thanks for the time.
0: Thank you. And keep growing, keep learning and uh, growers love. Next up, we got Dr. MJ.
4: Absolutely, It was a pleasure to have Smut and, Crispy come on the the show today. Thanks guys for for coming on. Um always a pleasure to to hang out with you dog doctor and uh see your plants sort of growing up through time. Um I'm Dr. MJ Coco and like I said at the beginning of the show like I have my my uh science of horticultural LEDs video coming out. I've been working on this for only about 6 months, like actually longer than that. Um I tried to answer a bunch of sort of the questions that I had and that a lot of people often ask me, like how do LEDs create light? Um, how do they create different spectra and how does efficiency sort of work in that? Um, you know, like we talked about today, what spectrum do we want? Um, and how do we, how what's the best way to sort of create that spectrum that we want? Um, just all sorts of questions like that. Like does diode brand matter? One of the things that I, I see so commonly is people get all worked up about sort of what brands things are without really knowing anything other than sort of a brand name. Um, So if you wanna know sort of more than that, check that out. And like I said, I'm doing my sort of on-camera debut for this. So um, you'll get to see me, which I'm kind of a little bit terrified about, but at least it doesn't have to be live. So, um, <laughs> it, yeah, I think it's probably going to be Saturday. I'm sort of shooting for Saturday. video is almost done at this point. Um, but uh, I think it'll be Saturday. Subscribe to my channel, check it out. And I will see you then grow love everyone.
0: Grow love doc. Thank you so much for joining. And next up Matthew Gates.
4: Hey
5: everyone. I did enjoy talking about the white flies earlier, and it was nice talking to smart and Dr dog doctor and all the other people in the comments. Um, and, uh, I also have a really cool video coming up again. This is going to be a deep dive into the biology and the ecology of powdery mildew and how it became, how it went from humble soil fungus that breaks down plants into massively big pain in your butt when growing plants. So if you're interested in that, you should check me out on the 25th of October. Um, with uh, Chad Westport at the Future Canvas Projects 02 channel, fcp 2 And if you also want to find uh, professional inquiries and you also have questions about cannabis and other sorts of cultivation, you can check me out at xenthanol.com um, and also on my uh, YouTube zenthanol, Instagram, and Twitter at Sync Angel, just like it says on the screen.
0: Thank you, Matthew, for joining us. Last and certainly not least on the panel is the American one.
6: Jack, oh, as always, a great job hosting tonight. It's good to see everybody in uh, on the panel. Dog Doctor, thanks for showing. Crispy and smart, always good to see you. All your plants, all you guys look great. And uh, everyone in chat, I'm glad you hung out with us tonight. And, uh, yeah, I'm the American one on YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore Akeens on the IG. If you want to find me there, hit me a DM. And, uh, yeah, have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week
0: just want to say thank you again to everyone all the listeners out there both podcast and youtube live uh, crispy wannabe smart poker dog doctor for joining us uh, our special guests this evening all the panel members who join us regularly thank you so much for your time as always and uh, all the chat who ask great questions and interact and make this community really what it is i uh, can't thank you enough you all make the show what it is I'm mm-hmm. at jack greenstock you can find me on instagram as well as jack underscore greenstock is a backup account and twitter you could email me jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com if you want to get in contact that way. And if you'd like a copy of the book, 50 Strands of Green, you could go to 50strains.com. And uh, if you did enjoy the show, make sure to click that like and subscribe. It's been about two hours into the thing now, and uh, I really had a great time. It was a good week. I'm looking forward to next week. We might have topics. We might do some more q and I don't know. I'm thinking more topics, though. But <laughs> I always love to tease it with a nice vague thing at the very end. Next yeah, but... nice
4: week. Topics.
2: I love it. All right, everybody. (laughs) This is Jack Greenstock signing out. (laughs) Peace and love. We will catch you next week.